What's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to Your Boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Egina, aka Elroy Prepson. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and anywhere else at Elroy Prepson, one word. And I'm here with my co host. What's up, everybody? It's Andre Rodriguez. You can find me on Instagram at Flow State Drink. That's all one. Low State Dre, one word. Make sure you hit that follow button on him. He's a musician. He's an MMA nerd. He's a Yu-Gi-Oh master. <laughs> the man does it all. <laughs> but let's get into the news and notes. Andre, UFC Fight Night 143 happened this week. We will be reviewing parts of that. But first, UFC Philly. We were really excited last week about it. We were wondering what the main event was going to be. Well, guess what, Andre? We already knew. It's Gaethje versus Barboza. Oh, yeah. Are you let down by that being the main event? Is that main event worthy? Uh, no, I, I actually think that it's a good event. I just hope that the supporting cast or the other upcoming fights in that card will live up to the hype. We haven't had uh, an event in almost 10 or 11 years Philadelphia so I'm just hoping for an exciting card in itself I still want to catch it you know grab a ticket and go uh, maybe with a couple friends um, because this is a big one you know um, hopefully this leads to a huge pay-per-view event in, the, in Philly I mean this is something that we definitely need and I think it's important you know to put Philly back on the map as a big place for an event like that so I'm excited yeah I mean I'm gonna need more than just one fight for me to buy a ticket, and not even the Karate Hottie is going to make me buy a ticket. So, <laughs> they got a lot of work to do. But, let's talk about something that came out of UFC Fight Night 143. Henry Cejudo goes on to Ariel Hawani's podcast and talks about Nikki Bella and the Bella Twins. <laughs> Nikki being the single one. He honestly shot his shot, and guess what? He might have scored. She did respond, invited him out on a date. What What do you think? Is Is he worthy? I think so. I mean, with this huge win over TJ Dillashaw and still him riding that close fight in the victory against uh, Demetrius Johnson, I mean, I think he's definitely got some popularity now. Um, and I, I see them actually as a, a potential power couple. I mean, they're both big stars in their respective sports, and um, they're both just popular in general. And, you know, she's cute, and I don't see why not. So hopefully that goes well for him. We're talking about the girl who was with John Cena. Yeah. Talk about a power couple. And she left him. And Henry Cejudo's a square. So <laughs> good luck, Henry. I can see her using him for the publicity. She does have her own reality show. He is a UFC champion. Yeah. So, square or not, he's got a little clout. <laughs> yeah. So, UFC Fight Night 145, September... Sorry. February. Saturday, February 23rd, at the O2 Arena in Prague. They got a couple notable names placed on the card. So we'll just run through the names. Diago Santos in the main event. Liz Carmouche moving down the flyweight. She just couldn't get it done at Bantamweight, so she had to go down. Stefan Struve is on the card. Finally, he's back. John Dodson and John Volante. Those are fun names for, you know, a, a European card. There's usually a lot of, you know, European talent on it. So we'll see how that shapes up. Maybe we'll get some exciting fights. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, let's not forget about John Blancos. Uh, this guy, he's a tough opponent for Santos. This guy fought um, Alexander Gustafson. He fought some of the top guys in light heavyweight, and uh, he gave them some trouble. He's a legit grappler. So um, that that's one issue that uh, Tiago Santos had, other than, you know, his chin. But uh, hopefully it'll be an entertaining fight. Santos always brings it. So it should be an exciting main event. Yeah, too bad I couldn't pronounce his name. <laughs> So, finally, the fight that we've been waiting for for a while might get a date. All pending on Yorel Romero's reality show schedule. So, him versus Paulo Costa 
is targeted for April in Miami. Couldn't get any bigger than that for, for both of them. Um, this is going to be a good fight for the both of them. Um, this definitely gives Real Romero to, a chance to reestablish himself um, as a legitimate title contender. And it also gives Costa the same advantage and, and potential um, possibilities. This kid is really good, and he's the real deal. Vicious striking, so strong. But Yoel's the same, and Yoel has a much better pedigree as far as grappling. I mean, the dude's an Olympic-level wrestler. So this is going to be a test for both of them. So I'm excited for this fight, especially that it's in Miami. Yeah, I'm real curious how Yoel's going to do against this guy. You know, Yoel is the hype killer. So, Paulo Costas, he's got a lot of hype. Let's see what your Romero can do against him. It's not going to be an easy task. Definitely not. Definitely. Paulo Costa is big, he's strong, and he knows what he's doing in there. But guess what? Yoel does too. Yeah. And he's big and strong too. Yeah, this is like two freight trains coming together on one shot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it can go either way. Who runs out of gas first? That's the real question. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to ultimately come down to. Whose gas tank is better? Yeah. Who sits down on the on the stool longer? Yeah, and and most importantly, who's going to be willing to take those shots mm-hmm. at the end of, at the end of the fight, either third or fifth round? Who's really going to be able to be in there? Yeah. So this isn't on the news, but I did want to bring this up to you. I saw a headline before we started recording, and. Demetrius Johnson says he's not returning to North America ever and that if Henry Cejudo wants to fight him again, he has to come see him in Asia. What do you think about that? Good move. Um, Demetrius Johnson now has the opportunity to be one of the greats um, and one of the cross-promotion greats. When you have guys like Jake Shields, Eddie Alvarez, Michael Chandler, who hasn't done it yet, but I know he will eventually. But Demetrius Johnson has a chance to do something special. And when you're talking about, like in boxing, you know, the term is who's on the A side and who's on the B side. That became popular with Floyd Mayweather. Even though Demetrius is no longer in the UFC and he's now fighting and signed to one championship, um, he's still on the A side because he's still, in my opinion, number one pound for pound. So I think it's a good move for Henry Cejudo if he wants to be even more popular. And I think the UFC will definitely need a cross-promotion fight like I mean, it's big. You got two champions in two different promotions. They fought each other before, so there's a there's a little bit of a backstory here. It's a good fight. Yeah, I mean, UFC hasn't been in bed with many companies. You know, they had some type of affiliation with World Series of Fighting when they were around, and yeah. obviously, you know, now they changed to uh, the PFL, I believe. Yeah. So I think. They still promote them guys, but not like they were World Series of Fighting. Like they were actively sending fighters there if they weren't ready for the UFC. Before they became the PFL, they were kind of like CFFC to the UFC. They were kind of just where up-and-coming fighters would go to either get to the UFC or where veterans who couldn't compete with the competition the UFC would go down to to then you know finish out their careers or try to make another run. Mm-hmm. But now they're their own thing with their huge million dollar tournament. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong, there are still older UFC names going there trying to win that million dollars. Yeah. Coming out of retirement for it. Exactly. Speaking of retirement, Dennis Bermudez. This also, I didn't put it on the news and notes, but I, I feel so bad. You know, he's he's been a name in the UFC for a while, and I think he deserves a bit of, you know, talk. He goes out on top after losing four straight, throws, puts his gloves in the ring, and retires in his hometown. What can you tell me about that? Did you did you feel some type of way? His his voice was cracking. It kind of hit me, man. Yeah, it, it, it definitely hurts because uh, at one point, Dennis Bermudez was top five, and it seemed like he was getting really close to a title shot. Unfortunately, he ran into a prime champion. I've never taken anything away from Dennis Bermudez's career because, you know, like you said before, he beat Max Holloway. He went on a a long winning streak in the featherweight division against top guys. So, you know, it sucks to see him go because he's he's still a bit young to be retiring. 
But if you look at the accomplishments that he has under his belt, I would say that if he felt that he had to retire at this time, maybe because of his body, maybe some sort of undisclosed injuries, I think that it's it's a, a good career. I mean, he wasn't a bad fighter, and he really did work his way and earn his way to the top of the featherweight division. Yeah, Dennis Bermudez, we understand that you are a podcaster as well. We thank you for all you've done for the sport, and you always have a seat at your boy Elroy to speak on your career and the happenings in MMA. So thank you for what you did, and we wish you well in your retirement. So, largely, us in the last couple episodes, you know, we speak a lot about UFC. But there are other things, you know, other promotions that have plenty of fighters and marquee matchups to make that we will be talking about. So we'll start this weekend with Bellator. Huge fight. They finish off their um, heavyweight tournament with Fader. Fedor Emelianenko versus Ryan Bader. Big fight. Who you got? The Maybe the greatest of all time versus someone who couldn't cut it in the UFC, but solid fighter. What do you think? He's, he's kind of had a res- career resurgence over there. Yeah. I mean, when you look at some guys who jump over to Bellator, you definitely have guys like Leon Machida and Gegard Mousasi. Ryan Bader, I think, has been the biggest star out of all of them because he went straight into Bellator and dominated everybody. And it's because he is a true special talent. He's got punching power, great wrestling, and uh, his jiu-jitsu is pretty solid too. But we're talking about the last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko. No matter how old this guy gets, he is still a phenom, and he is still dangerous. I mean, look at what he just did to Chael Sonnen. Gosh, that was hard to watch. I'm a Chael Sonnen fan, but I cannot say that this would be an easy fight for either of them because they both have their hands full. I mean, other than the advantage of punching power, um, these guys are pretty equal as far as grappling. So I'm excited to see what happens because this is also um, the first shot that Ryan Bader has had at heavyweight. Um, You know, he's fought in this tournament and he's done well. But Fedor has one-punch knockout power. He's also a high-level judo black belt and sambo master. So this is going to be a tough fight. Yeah, Ryan Bader trying to be the champ champ of Bellator. You got to give him credit, though. I'm looking at his record. His losses, come on. John Jones, Tito Ortiz, Leota Machida, Anthony Johnson. Those are, like, marquee. Those are superstars. Yeah. And then he, he leaves the UFC on a one, two, you know, he, he wins two in a row, he two finishes in a row, goes to Bellator and one, two, three, four fights. He's on a six fight win streak in his career right now. You gotta give it to the guy. You know, he used to be known as a boring fighter, but hey, if it gets done, it gets done, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of guys don't appreciate the game for what it is. They wanna see blood, sweat, and tears in there. But there's a lot more that goes into yeah, we're going to talk about that in one of these fights coming up. Oh, yeah. Big time. So, another superstar in the making who's fighting that night. Aaron Pico versus Corrales. Now, Aaron Pico is a hype train. He has a ton of push behind him. What could you tell me about this fight? Is there anything that you're looking for? Is it just going to be another quick finish? Honestly, what I'm looking for is... Hopefully a challenge that Corrales will give Pico. But looking at Pico's last fight, he fought a legitimate guy. He was 18-4, and and what, Pico only has three or four fights under his name during that fight. He fought a serious contender who fought the former Bellator um, Bantamweight champion, Eduardo Dantes. Um, His name eludes me, but um, Aaron Pico destroyed him. And um, I don't see it going any differently for this guy. The only thing I would hope is that maybe he can implement his wrestling um, because he does have an amazing wrestling pedigree. I mean, an outstanding um, high school wrestler. He did well in college, and he was also a very high-level guy as far as, you know, the world championships in wrestling. He he did well, but um, 
hopefully he can implement his whole game into this fight. So I'm excited um, for him. And you're right, he does have a lot of hype behind him. I mean, I think he's been signed to Bellator since he was a teenager. So that, that goes to show how much faith they have in this kid. Yeah, and I respect Joe Rogan and Brandon Schaub's op- uh, opinions very much. And they, like, Brandon Schaub will not stop talking about Aaron Pico <laughs> during any show. Like, he'll find reasons to bring up Aaron Pico. So I'm really excited to see this fight. We do have a couple notable debuts on that card, which, um, you know, Bellator, they find any way to kind of get views. So. Another WWE, ex-WWE wrestler going into MMA, Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, debuts on that card. Now, he was a wrestler in college. Um, I'm not sure if it was D1, but I know that he was a, a very good wrestler in college. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully he has a chin because chances are, you know, yeah, you're a wrestler, but you're going to get punched. Like ASAP, as soon as you walk in. <laughs> we saw Brock take that, so. He does think that he is the better version of Brock. Oh, wow. I mean, he, he, he's certainly, I guess you could say, the younger version. But um, it takes a lot to be a fighter. You know, you might get a couple tune-up fights against guys you're not really going to have much opposition against. But if he's thinking about going into the tougher ranks of the heavyweight division, um, yeah, it's going to be rough for him. I mean, it takes skill to be a fighter, and takes grit so I think he can bring that from his wrestling pedigree but I'm hoping that he can take punches yeah we'll see another notable debut I only know about this guy because let's face it he talks a lot of garbage <laughs> he's a he's a walking promo but he's also a division one wrestler I believe and he's a problem he's or not a wrestler is he yeah, Division One and a black belt under Gracie Bar. Yeah, so AJ Agazarm debuts in, on the prelims. What do you think? How's he going to do? Is he going to pose? You know, is he going to make a splash? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this guy's the real deal. Um, he brings the perfect package with high-level wrestling and also high-level Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, with the exception of the whole leg lock game changing in Jiu-Jitsu, if it wasn't for that, this dude would be dominating everybody. And he still does. He fights anybody in jiu-jitsu. And I think it'll be the same as far as MMA. I think he's going to make some noise and potentially be more popular than probably Aaron Pico at some point. I mean, this guy, he can take a hit. We've seen it before. And he's also a very tough guy when it comes to durability. So I'm excited to see where his career goes and hopefully a potential matchup against Dylan Bannon. Yeah, I mean... Listen, I'm a wrestling fan. I love the art of a promo. So if you can talk me into the building, I'm into you. And you know who else can talk? Dylan Dennis. So if that fight happens, whew, I am there. I'm looking forward to that. That way more than Jake Hager. I could care less about Jack Swagger. He's a big bum. So last week we previewed our first UFC card. The debut on ESPN, UFC Fight Night 143. Let's go over some takeaways from that night. Because it was a pretty historic night. You know, the worldwide leader, as they keep saying in sports. ESPN finally joins forces with the UFC. So we start off the night pretty entertaining. I told you that we have to bring up this fight. Because it's... Top three favorite fight of the night. Um, Neil versus Mohammed. I think they showed off. What yeah. do you think? I think Jeff Neil and Mohammed really slugged it out. It's true. I mean, these guys, you could tell that they both wanted to go in there and win. And there's something special about that. Because when that happens, usually we're left with an incredible bout between two top fighters. Um, Jeff Neal, big power puncher, but he is incredibly accurate. And Bilal Muhammad, this dude is just nasty. A chin on him. A chin and skills and the will to win. This was a good fight for both of them. Honestly, when you think about rankings, I don't think either of them lose anything in this fight. If anything, they get bigger fights now because Dana White 
and Sean Selby and all those guys and the, and the higher ups have seen that these dudes are the real deal in the welterweight division. So I'm excited to see where their careers go. Yeah, clearly Jeff Neal is the star for that, but I think Bilal Muhammad deserves a spot. I hope they keep him around because he, he put on a good show, man. That dude has a chin because Jeff Neal was throwing bombs. The whole night, and he was taking them and throwing back. I mean, there's something to be said about a guy who can do that to somebody like the likes of Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal is nobody to play with. He hits hard, and he's a power puncher. But Bilal, he's, he's, he's got what it takes to be a top contender in the welterweight divisions. Yeah, man, that fight was entertaining. But you know what was even more entertaining? Donald Cerrone <laughs> dominating the young cat. Dude, I was speechless. I, could, I was... Like, out of my seat, trying to scream, but, like, mute because I was in all of the performance because Hernandez was given, but, man, he was taking a lot. Yeah. He showed heart in there, but there was just one factor that changed the entire fight like we had talked about. Experience. Um, that was a big one. Um, that was probably the main component in this fight. This kid showed heart. He showed that he can stand in there with top guys like Donald Cerrone. But Donald is just a killer. And once he sees and smells blood, it's over. I personally thought it was rough to watch after the, the first cut that emerged on um, Alexander Hernandez's right eye. And it was just like, oh no, I, don't, I think he's going to get him out of there. But I don't think it takes anything away from Alexander Hernandez. I think he just needs to get in there and work harder on his striking. But I think Donald Cerrone earned that fight against Connor. But we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> yeah, he is young in the game. But I just see him, you know, like you can't talk that against these guys, especially Cerrone. Definitely not. I think that that's really what killed him. Like, yeah, it's good to be confident. Yeah. But I don't think he took this fight that serious. He just talked his way into it. Yeah, I mean, he said it in his Instagram post. He comes in in every fight with the sense of invincibility and supreme confidence. But the main issue with that is you're coming up against a seasoned veteran, somebody who's been in there with the best, who's fought in, in title fights and against you know former champions like Robbie Lawler, who fought Rafael Dos Anjos. He fought some of the best guys in the lightweight and welterweight divisions. Um, you can't overlook somebody like that, even if Donald is a little his last few fights have been by finish. And he's gone with the likes of Robbie Lawler. All three or five rounds, I believe it was a, a five-round fight. But he's gone the distance with top guys. And he hasn't really been finished nothing crazy like that. But, you know, Alexander, I believe he'll flourish from this. And I think he'll learn a lot from this lesson. And hopefully he takes into the consideration that trash talking is good for the sport. But not when you are disrespecting a fighter and a veteran yeah, the finish was amazing. Yeah. Just like out of a book. But at the end, Donald Cerrone, again, he shoots his shot. He wants a top five guy. And who does he call out? The money fight. The, the fight that everybody wants. The yeah. notorious one, Conor McGregor. Say what you want about the guy. Win, lose, or draw. You want to fight him. You want to see him. And this is a fight that I cannot believe actually might happen. This is incredible. This is like the fight that I never knew I wanted. Remember that time he fought Diaz and then he fought him again? I want to see that again. But hey, you know what I want to see more than that? This fight. I want to see Cerrone versus McGregor tomorrow. As fast as it can come, man. Um, this fight is going to be amazing. You're talking about the notorious one versus Cowboy. It's going to be fireworks. I actually believe nobody's getting knocked out in that fight. I think it will be a main event, and it will be one of the best main events of 2019. I know it's going five rounds, and I think these guys are going to slug it out. It's going to be incredible for both of their careers. And if Cerrone can pull off a win against Connor, which I believe he can, I don't see why he doesn't deserve a title shot after you know the winner of Nurmagomedov and Ferguson. But then again, you have guys like Dustin Poirier, who's waiting around, guys like Kevin Lee. So 
I don't see why he shouldn't be fighting those guys after that. If he pulls off a victory, that should guarantee him a spot in that, in, you know, in that top three. You just said it right there, though. Those are the three fights to make. You give Conor McGregor Cerrone, which is perfect. He's not a ranked guy, but he's a name. Yeah. Conor, you know, let's face it, he got dominated. Yeah. So there's no reason that he should be fighting Namurga Madoff next except for money. Yeah. But you know what else is going to make money? This. This is going to do numbers. Big numbers, especially on ESPN. I mean, come on. A main event of that caliber doesn't get any better than that. That will be the best main event that ESPN and the UFC will have this year. Mark my words. Yeah, so you give that fight, you give Kevin Lee versus Dustin Poirier. Why not? Dustin Poirier, just a couple fights ago, he was like getting whooped. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you got a couple good performances, but dude, you still got a lot to work on. And then, of course, the only championship fight you can make, Tony Ferguson versus Namurga Madoff. There's nothing else you could do. But again, by the end of this month, we will know what's going on with McGregor and Namurga Madoff. So we will continue to talk about them every episode until then. (laughs) Another takeaway, dude, how good did Gregor Gillespie look? Let me just tell you, when I first started watching the MMA, I could not stand the ground game. <laughs> Hence why I did not like George St. Pierre, because he was an animal on the ground. Dude, Gregor Gillespie put on a clinic. I never seen nothing like it. He made Yancey look like a child. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what Supreme Wrestling looks like. I mean, this guy is on the wrestling I believe he's already top 10 and I don't think there's a lot of guys who can actually beat him because of the pace that he puts on and because of the fact that he's going in there with the right kind of confidence not because he's starting out no this dude's there and he's ready to fight I believe against even the top five guys um, this won't be like an Alexander Hernandez situation this dude's got what it takes to be in the, on the top and if you're talking about a potential Super fight between him and Khabib, that's going to be interesting. Now, it might not be as popular as, let's say, a Conor versus, you know, Cerrone, but come on, man. Two of the best grapplers in the world going at it for five rounds. I see that potentially happening, hopefully, by the end of this year or, you know, in the beginning of 2020. But he put on an excellent performance against a tough guy, Yancey Medeiros, who recently just fought and lost to Donald Cerrone. And maybe that fight would be. Yeah, I'm really curious who he's going to have next. I mean, if you want to go up to the top, you can give him somebody like James Vick. But we'll see. I mean, you have him. You got Kevin Lee who doesn't have a fight lined up. You got Ally Quinta. So if you really want to go up there, I'd be calling out these people. But Gregor's more of a respectful guy, you know. Which I could respect, you know, he doesn't like to talk about his opponents, he doesn't like to call anybody out. Yeah. He said it himself during the post fight interview. He said, I'll just you know, I want a top rank a top five guy. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. He deserves it. I mean he's he's beat a lot of dudes in incredible fashion at that. So I don't see why he shouldn't get, you know, a fight at least in the top ten. Another fight that I would be interested in seeing, um, Definitely be Gregor Gillespie, probably against Paul Felder or Nate Diaz. Um, an old school wrestler versus jiu-jitsu fighter. Just, you know, amped up because Nate Diaz boxing is crisp. But Gregor Gillespie has some good hands too. And that pressure wrestling is what Nate Diaz has always had trouble with. So let's see if, he, if he's figured it out. But then you're talking about Pel- Paul Felder too, who is no easy pickings. And now he's finally ranked. So I think that would be another good fight. And that, that's potentially a main event for a UFC, UFC on fight night. So yeah, a lot of good fights lined up for him. I did have that feeling that, you know, he'll never main event because of his style. It's kind of like Damian Meyer. Like, yeah, he's a name. Yeah. But that grinding style isn't main event worthy. That's you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. If Damian Meyer is in Brazil, they're going to put him in the main event. But... 
I mean, it's going to take some time for people to warm up to Gregor. But, you know, he's ever improving with every camp, every guy he fights. You know, he brings on that wrestling, but you see that he's got hands, too. He's not guys out, too, like Andrew Holbrook. So, I mean, come on. This guy's got what it takes. Dude, Yancey had nothing. Nothing. You can see it in his face. He's like, dude, I don't know what to do. He was lost in there. Yeah. And it's a shame because maybe the nicest guy in the UFC, and you could just see his face like, I got nothing. Yeah, some guys just trump you like that. I mean, wrestling makes the difference. If you don't have an answer to it, you're going to lose because a guy doesn't necessarily have to beat you for a bloody pulp. But unfortunately, the reason why people don't like MMA a lot is because there are a lot of dominant wrestlers who can just ride you for five rounds or three rounds and just beat you that way. Judges can't really say anything about it because when you look at it in terms of the fight, he's controlling you every round. So it's not a popular style, like you said, like even with Damian Maya, but it gets the job done. So moving on, it pains me to say, Henry Cejudo wins. <laughs> to me, controversial fashion. So, I'm going to just sound off real quick. Can I have the floor for a second, Andre? Absolutely. This is potentially a history-making moment. Two champions going against each other. You couldn't give the guy 10 more seconds to see if maybe he can make a move? Like, I just did not understand the stoppage. Yes, he got hit a lot, but he was still, like, trying to move around. It's not like the guy was knocked out. Like, his eyes did not roll back. Contrary to popular belief, Henry Cejudo, that head kick did not land. It was clearly blocked. All that did was knock him off balance. He was paying attention the whole time, eating your punches, about to go for the single leg, and then the ref called it. I did not like this stoppage. But all respect to Henry Cejudo. The fight is in the books. He beat the Bantamweight champion, and there's nothing TJ Dillashaw could do about it. He should have been ready for the aggressiveness, but he wasn't. So, what do you think? Am I going too hard? Was this a controversy? Did you think it was a clean stoppage? Because I was pissed. Um, I'm going to say that it was a clean stoppage, but at the same time, I agree with you when you said there should have been more time that was given. You know, it was kind of like the first fight when he fought Garbrandt. You could have given him a little more time. But respect to the referee for, you know, putting the fighter's life and his career, you know, first. But the first event on ESPN, really? Come on, man. It's just crazy to think that TJ would have went down that easily. And I do agree with him. It was kind of stolen from him. But I do understand why it was stopped. The only thing we can hope for as fans is that there's a rematch in place. But TJ said something that I did not agree with. He said he wants it at 125. I don't think that's a good idea. To make that cut, maybe it was easy for him, but I want to see him back at 135. And I want to see what Henry Cejudo will do. Because he said it himself. I came in at 146 pounds that night. So it shouldn't be any problem for him going up. So let's see what happens when TJ is in prime form, where he's not cutting in, a, in an obscene and insane amount of weight. I want to see this fight again. This is one of those fights that has to happen again. So I'm excited for it. I'm sorry, Andre. I don't want to see this fight again. <laughs> it had its chance, and, you know, it got ruined. I want to see TJ versus Marlon Moraes. Like, that's my fight to make. Henry Cejudo, I don't know what he's going to do. We spoke about it earlier. I think if they get rid of the flyweight division, everybody should just go to one. Yeah. And then 
maybe the change of scenery will change the landscape. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I mean, if the UFC doesn't want the 125ers, give them the one. One, one championship and just the Asian mixed martial arts organizations have a huge respect for the small guys. And there's something to be said about that. I mean, they're going to get paid more over there. Sorry, UFC, but it's the truth. Um, and they're going to get more respect down there. I mean, yeah, there's fighters over there that still live in the States who are, you know, just making that travel um, to get down to Asia to fight. And I don't think it should be a problem. Um, but if the UFC was smart with all the new fighters that are coming up at 125, how exciting they are, I think they'd be silly to let the 125ers go. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm already tired of talking about Henry Cejudo. But he will come up later on. <laughs> so, that's UFC Fight Night 143. We did make picks. Yes. Guess what happened? We both, you know, five and five. <laughs> so, we'll see how we do. Um, for the tiebreaker, let's pick the main event for Bellator. You have Fader, Fedor or Ryan Bader? I got Fedor. For sure. I gotta knock him later out. Yeah, for me to overcome you, I'm gonna pick Ryan Bader. I just see, you know, that momentum. And I do kind of agree with what what Bader said about Fedor, that people respect him too much. Maybe Bader will change that. (laughs) So, we started a new segment last week. Let's get back into it this week in the lightweight division. Fantasy Warfare. In this week's Fantasy Warfare, the fight is Michael Chandler versus the notorious Conor McGregor. I'll give it to you first. We got Michael Chandler fighting out of Nashville, Tennessee. He's 5'8", 155 pounds, of course. He has a 69-inch reach advantage, and he is a Division I wrestler. His mixed martial arts record, 19-4. and four. What could you tell me about Conor McGregor? Well, right now, ranked number two, he is the notorious one. Record, 21-4. and four. Last loss to another great one, Khabib Nurmagomedov. But before that, he uh, won the lightweight title against Eddie Alvarez to be one of the first champions to actually hold two belts simultaneously. Um, he's got the reach advantage in this fight at 74 inches. And uh, this is his peak weight at 155. And, you know, as far as striking accuracy, it's looking pretty good. This dude is very precise in there. So, Conor McGregor, a bit younger, but this Michael Chandler guy, he's been in some wars. Yeah. You know, he's a wrestler, but the dude can throw bombs. We've seen him have some classic fights with Eddie Alvarez. You know, he's he's had this uh, two-fight series with Brent Premise that obviously the first fight he had a little problem. He hurt his leg. Yeah. He's, uh, he's reclaimed the Bellator lightweight title in his last fight as well. So, how does this fight go down? Is it Does he approach the fight like Chad Mendez approached Conor McGregor? Which, you know, he did have some success until he got hit. But the one thing about Michael Chandler is he might have a better chin. So what do you think? How does this fight go down? Honestly... With Nurmagomedov beating McGregor in such a dominating fashion, I think the blueprint's already set out for McGregor. So the one who really has a lot to lose here is McGregor. He's got to break the stigma that he has no wrestling game, and he needs to work on it ASAP. doesn't matter who he brings into the camp to do it, but if he cannot out-wrestle or defend the takedown against a guy like Michael Chandler, who is ridiculously strong for that division... It's going to be the same thing all over again. The key to victory for Connor is to out-wrestle him in terms of takedown defense 
and he's got to pick them apart. Um, Eddie Alvarez kind of did that in their second fight to win. Um, he, you know, he didn't pick them apart from the outside, but he was he was catching them vicious right hands, left hooks, going to the body, and that's what Conor has to do. He has to definitely expand his arsenal in these fights. Um, he's got to fight like he did against Dennis Seaver. Body shots, head kicks, knees, punches, counter strikes. He's got to do that to beat Michael because Michael sets a pace that only guys like Gregor Gillespie can set. So it's going to be a tough one. So do you think... I always wondered this because Conor McGregor is at the top of the heap when it comes to like the bunch. Like... You know, you have these promotions, but then you're in the UFC, and we're talking about the biggest star in MMA. Is it too late to correct something like that? He's young, but when you're that elite as far as, like, a draw and a superstar, you know, your your focus sometimes can shift. And as much as he wants to talk about how he's a fighter, this guy's a star. Like, he's not just a fighter anymore. Is it too late to work on that part of his game? Because if it is, this fight is an easy ticket. Yeah, I mean, what it really comes down to is just McGregor's mindset. He has to get back to that stage where he's fighting, you know, to win, and it's not about the money. It's literally to just fight and to be the best in the world. Michael Chandler's main mantra is he wants to be the best in the world. He even thinks that he can beat Khabib. And rightfully so, I think he could too. I think Michael Chandler, if he doesn't get signed to the UFC, will be the biggest star to never make it. And guys like Gilbert Melendez and Eddie Alvarez did it. So I just think that if McGregor goes in there blindly like he did against Khabib, thinking that he was going to be fine as far as grappling, he's making a huge mistake. Michael Chandler is the real deal. He's fought the best of the best in Bellator and he's beat them. So... This fight, to me, is no easy pickings because if McGregor one-shots him, then dang, that's crazy. But uh, it will be a fun fight. Yeah, the one thing I can't predict is the one-shot, but I can predict a solid wrestling game, yeah. a game plan, coming in prepared for war. So I'm going to say that this fight goes to a decision and unanimously, Michael Chandler beats Conor McGregor. He does it with his wrestling. He keeps him close enough to where he's not getting, you know, those wild shots that McGregor throws. You know, that overhand. He's not going to catch that. He's going to be too busy taking him down. Yeah. So that's my pick. Do you agree? I do agree. I think that's the way the fight goes unless Conor can really... You know, push the pace and outstrike him. Whew. So, I picked last week's weight division. What do you got for this week? Do you have a fighter in a weight division in mind? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Um, for this week, I've been watching him for months now, but um. In terms of wanting to see him dominate and be one of the top guys, I haven't mentioned him. I haven't mentioned him yet, but I'm gonna mention him now. I don't think you know much of him, but uh, he's coming up now. I'm going to say, unfortunately, his last fight did not go as planned, but Josh Emmett in the featherweight division. In the featherweight division. I, okay. did, I didn't speak about him much because, you know, his he had a controversial loss to Jeremy Stevens. But um, I'm going to pick him for this week. This dude is still an up-and-comer. And, -comer. and uh, after him knocking out Ricardo Lamas in such devastating fashion, gosh, he showed that he was the real deal. Unfortunately, he ran to a prime Jeremy Stevens. But I'm excited for his career. So, I thought you'd go featherweight. So I got my featherweight picked as well. Nice. We're going to go cross brand again. And I'm going to pick the pit bull, Praticio Freite. So next week, Josh Emmett versus Praticio. And that was 
Fantasy Warfare. Now on to listener questions. This segment is brought to you by the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. They take the time to host your boy Elroy. So thank you guys from the Matt Madness Podcast. If you want the best in wrestling, you go to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. This week's first question comes from my buddy Pash, actually the uh, creator of the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast Network. His question reads, 10 years ago at age 30, BJ Penn was believed to be the greatest lightweight of all time and one of the top three pound-for-pound fighters of all time. Since then, he's 1-8-1 on the back end of his career. Has the last decade destroyed his legacy, or should he be remembered for his impact in his prime? Andre, what do you think? Well, the biggest thing with BJ Penn is he was pretty much the guy who opened up the lightweight division. And um, he's going to be a Hall of Famer no matter what. People will always remember him for being a Hall of Famer. Um, unfortunately, yeah, his career, it took a turn for the worst. But I think uh, bringing on a positive light into the situation, people will always remember BJ Penn for having heart, being gritty, and just bringing the fight to anybody that he goes up against because that's just his nature. He's a fighter at heart, and he's competitive. Unfortunately, you know, guys like me who have been a fan of BJ Penn for years, I would just wish that, you know, he would finally hang him up and, you know, let his career rest and move on to bigger and better things. Yeah, me and Pash always talk about this subject. And for me, it doesn't take away from his legacy. Um, this isn't in the same category, but somebody like Carlos Condit. Carlos Condit's 2-8 and eight in his last 10. He's on a five-fight losing streak in the UFC, but nobody says anything because he always puts on a good performance and he's always ready to fight. Like, It's not something that's going to take away from his legacy. Somebody like Carlos Conda, he's just in that stacked division that there's nothing he can do. But somebody like BJ Penn, he's a legend. He would fight anybody. So for me, it doesn't really take away from his legacy. The next question comes from my good buddy, Elite Collector215, on Instagram. He says, with Nikki accepting Henry's date offer, can she convince him to join the WWE? What do you think, Andre? Well, that's going to be definitely interesting to see where that goes as far as promos. Um, I think that there's a potential matchup I see, and, and it sounds crazy. You know, don't quote me on this necessarily, but I think that Maybe Henry gets a chance to fight maybe Rey Mysterio. Almost the same size, and I think that would be a nice dream match. But I think something like that would be good for the both of them. I think it could happen. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think he has the personality. And Dusty Rose can raise from the grave (laughs) and would not have any impact on his charisma. This guy is a square. I've said it this whole episode. And Nikki Bella's on the back end of her wrestling career. She always has a job there. But for me, it there's no upside to having Henry Cejudo. You already have a former UFC champion in Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar. Why bring the corniest bull back for mm. that? Our next question, second week in a row. Thanks again, Donovan, for sending this one. Who are some light heavyweight fighters you'd like to see get a title shot? So, my first pick is going to definitely be Dominic Reyes. So, this guy's 9-0, and he's ranked at number 8 in the light heavyweight division right now. And um, as far as who stacks up the best with John Jones, it's got to be him. I mean, after watching John Jones dispatch Alexander Gustafson, Uh, There's really no point in seeing that fight again. I think that now he needs somebody that's willing to go in there and put it all on the line, and I think Dominic Reyes is definitely going to do that if he gets this potential matchup. Now, you know, like I said before, he's ranked number eight right now, but I think uh, he'll be booked for a top three to top five opponent probably within the next three months now with the emergence of uh, UFC on ESPN. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with his career, and I think he's the best chance at possibly opening up the light heavyweight division again. Yeah, Dominic Reyes is booked against Volkan Ozdemir in March, so we'll be covering that fight later on. But 
I mean, I guess Diago Santos is next in line if he can win this next fight against Jan Blankowitz, which we talked about earlier. Yeah. But, I mean, for me, they might need some people to jump over or move up. Like, someone like Yoel Romero moving up, that would be a fun fight. Yeah. I would like to see more uh, of that division move up and maybe add some depth. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that would definitely shake up the division. I think uh, Yoel Romero's power will definitely transfer over. I mean, if he doesn't have to cut that weight, he's only going to be scarier because he's going to be nice, hydrated, and ready to go against anybody. He's got good wrestling, and he's got one-punch knockout power in both hands. Yeah, he's he's somebody that I would like to see gain a little weight and move up. He's on the back end of his career, but the dude is still amazing. I do have a question for you because I heard this on um, Ariel Hawani's podcast, The Reporters, today. And I was wondering what you thought about this. They were talking about the possibility of UFC doing, like, a tournament-style bracket like um, Strike Force, like a Grand Prix. So they picked the lightweight division, which I think is perfect. But if you could pick another division in the UFC to have a Grand Prix, what would it be? I would have to go with... I would want to say the welterweight division. The welterweight division, with the exception of the lightweight division, is the most stacked division in the UFC. I think everywhere else, you know, you have legitimate contenders, but then you have those guys who are just elite, and they're going to be there a while. But the welterweight division is constantly having guys that are emerging into the top 15, and they're proving themselves to be the real deal and, you know, potential title contenders. And I think uh, possibly an eight-man tournament would be best with the top eight because these guys are all potential title contenders. And if T. Wood wasn't in, you know, on that throne, I can only imagine what kind of shakeups would be in that the welterweight division. So that's the division I would pick for sure. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with the middleweight division. I love Robert Whitaker, but I, I know that he's beatable. And in a tournament format, we will see who's the best of that division. There's so many guys there that can challenge for the title and on any day win. So I would like to see that eight-man tournament for that division. Maybe someday we could book it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that would be a great idea, too. That's another division that's definitely high-profile as far as the UFC. Yeah. So that is this week in your boy Elroy. We'll be back next week. We'll cover the Bellator card, and then let's see what other news comes back. You ready? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks again, man, for joining me. You take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys.